I think it's important for folk that feel like they're stalled in their career or that they've learned really what they can from a specific assignment to proactively look for development opportunities and and chase the things that they have passion in, uh, the things that that they find fun. Especially as like a mid-level career person at NASA, you really need to need to look for those opportunities that can take you to to where you want to go on in your career. Look for things that are maybe outside your comfort level. I mean, because that's how you're going to get real growth. Welcome to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. NASA employees interested in expanding their expertise and improving their technical and management skills have a variety of opportunities, including developmental work assignments. We're in conversation with two members of NASA's technical workforce who recently participated in a developmental assignment. Let's start with introductions. My name is Nick Jedrich. I have an incredibly long job title. I work for the Office of the Chief Engineer, supporting the Science Mission Directorate as their Chief Engineer. And I'm Andrew Maynard, and I am the Deputy Chief Engineer on detail to Office of Chief Engineer. Well, thank you both for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having us. To set the stage for our conversation, Nick, could you describe the developmental assignment that connected the two of you? Right. So the uh, developmental assignment was for deputy chief engineer. Um, This is more than a one-person job. So it's normally a one-year detail, and we were looking for a person that could uh, grow with the position. be exposed to what we do at headquarters and the office of chief engineer. And uh, we selected Andrew from uh, a few other good candidates. Andrew, what are some of the highlights for you? Uh, for, For me, the key highlights were stepping outside of the Goddard Space Flight Center, where I spent the first 22 years of my career. Um, and stepping into the headquarters role really expanded my my view of the entire agency, having the opportunity to work with chief engineers from six or seven different centers as well as headquarters staff and really understand uh, how, the, how the wheels of the agency function. I think that's that's been the biggest takeaway for me. I think somewhat, Andrew, you also learned how the wheels turn slowly from time to time, would you say? Uh, absolutely slowly, but uh, I'd had the privilege of being exposed to, to that cadence uh, earlier in my career. Uh, but it's always interesting to see which parts move quickly and which parts move more slowly. When you think back to the start of this developmental opportunity, how would you compare what you expected to get from the assignment versus what you actually gained? Well, when I started, I, I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to jump into, but I expected to to get some of that larger view of the agency. When you're out at a center, it seems like uh, like sometimes you're speaking different languages. And I really wanted to understand what we were missing at the center that headquarters was trying to tell us. Because obviously there are a bunch of smart people there and I wanted to understand what the, what the miscommunication uh, in a few areas was. And what I gained was that plus so much more. Uh, I've developed 
good working relationships across the agency with a ton of folk, brilliant folk from all over the agency, uh, and a real appreciation for the giant machine uh, that, that NASA is uh, and what it can really accomplish with, with brilliant folk at every level. I think once the uh, initial shock of uh, Andrew finding out that, oh, I actually have to work with Nick, um, <laughs> once, once that... Um, once, once that was realized, I think it, it, it completely took off. Um, I would say one of the one of the unexpected things that happened during uh, Andrew's uh, Andrew's time as the deputy was that um, prior to Andrew, we had a history of not very many propulsion system issues in our in our uh, mission development. Um, port in the portfolio of SMD missions, um, but promptly uh, after Andrew joined, um, took this position, we had more than a handful. So, with his background in in propulsion systems, it was a great opportunity for him to really, really show his knowledge and and help these missions. Um, and I'm hoping that now that he's leaving that we don't have that many propulsion system problems so that was a, a unique aspect but um everything i expected from andrew i think he provided and more um he really uh, shines in a leadership role um we allowed him to be exposed to all kinds of things um he actually ended up doing a two-year detail because of COVID and, and the fact that I didn't think he got the exposure that the job really needed um, during the first year. So, yeah, I couldn't be more happy to have a deputy like Andrew. And similarly, I was, I was excited to stick around. Uh, it's probably been the highlight of my career. Uh, yeah, it, was, it seemed like two years went by awful quick. but uh, it did go awful uh, quick. It's good. Andrew, you talked about what it was like to be at the center level and then making that shift to headquarters. What are some of these perspectives that perhaps changed because of this assignment that you've done? Well, I think I think getting the exposure to the, the entire science mission directorate portfolio um, really kind of set the perspective that, that at the headquarters level, they're looking at the strategic vision for the science mission directorate and the agency as a whole. Whereas at Goddard, we were just trying to get kind of through one mission at a time, really focused down and in. And while headquarters does pay attention, uh, keen attention to the progress and status of each individual mission in their, in their 50 plus mission portfolio and development, um, they're looking at the fleet as a whole. They're dealing with budgets, schedules, congressional mandates, uh, things like that. Um, and, and that's really a perspective that I hadn't had the opportunity to see at the center level. Nick, how do you set job expectations in a developmental assignment? Right. So there's there's a few. I mean, this isn't this isn't a new detail. It's it's this job was always a. We always had a, a deputy uh, chief engineer as as a detailed and development assignment for uh, for as long as I can remember. I've been in this job for three years, so we had some history as to what what we expected from a deputy chief engineer. Um, we wanted uh, a, a strong personality. We wanted a person that wasn't afraid to speak out. We wanted 
a, a person with good communication skills and leadership. And we got all of that with Andrew and, and more, I think. Our job really was to expose him to everything that not only the Office of the Chief Engineer does, but everything that the Science Mission Directorate does and how those two entities interact and contribute to overall uh, agency mission success, um, because that is the number one job is to make our mission successful. You mentioned communication. How do you communicate? So um, fortunately, Andrew just lives around the corner. Um, and uh, so we communicate, um, we text, we do Teams calls, we do emails, um, we talk on the phone. Um, during COVID, we used to have um, backyard uh, lunchtime um, conversations on my back deck. And we also meet for lunch at a pizza place that's about midway between both of our houses and, and convenient. So it's continuous um, because of all the issues that that need timely responses from us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, face to face is always great, and that's why even during COVID, we would we would try to meet up where we could, and and you know, taking appropriate precautions. But uh, I would say it's continually and in different forms depending upon where we are. Yeah, we would probably use uh, semaphore and smoke signals too if they were available to us. Um, yeah, we were we were in constant communication. Uh, I think early on in the assignment, uh, we would tag up maybe two, three times a day um, on a Teams call so we could see each other. Uh, and then as we really learned each other's rhythms and patterns, um, you know, our communication shifted subtly uh, to just be like, "Hey, are you on that? Uh, can you cover this meeting this afternoon? I got to go to this thing." And we tuned our communication to to the needs of the time, uh, whether it was time sensitive or not. And, you know, if it was time sensitive, it was a text message. If it wasn't, it was an email, and sometimes a phone call as well. I mean, we yep. would try the can, two cans and a string, but it's a, the distance a little bit further. Than a little that. bit far for two cans and a string. <laughs> and what are your thoughts on how to work as a team? Oh, yeah, how to work as a team. Uh, we. I don't know. We we ad lib it most of the time. It's it's very situational dependent. Um, we trust each other. Um, yeah, I think that trust element is huge. Um, you know, I think I think we before this assignment we hadn't worked together uh, before, and and we tried to get to know each other both professionally and personally. Uh, and I think hitting both of those aspects, you can develop uh, a level of trust, uh, and then wrap that all in, in intense and often communication um, to build that teamwork. Yeah, and we've we've really become good friends. Um, yeah, so absolutely. it's pretty easy to work together that way. Um, you know, we have the same goal in mind um, professionally. Um, again, it's all about making these missions successful and what we can what we can do together to contribute to that success. And, and ensure that it happens. I think I think one key element was was from the from day one, Nick made it clear that that the scope of the assignment of the chief engineer's office for SMD is both of our jobs. Um, we both succeed together and we both fail together. Um, 
and and setting that expectation there was never anything that was explicitly in my job jar or explicitly in Nick's job jar when an email came in both of us were on it we would coordinate who was responding and the other person if they weren't the prime on that response would chime in of hey make sure you mention this and this and this uh, and then we would review each other's work um, uh, constant back and forth to make sure that we were speaking with one coherent and uh, comprehensive voice. Right, a little bit of uh, back and forth on and and serious collaboration on on the products that we that we generated, um, the recommendations that we would bring forward from a technical standpoint to uh, the science mission directorate uh, divisions and the and the directorate in general. We would we would closely work together on those. We would assign, you know, one of us would say, hey, you take the lead on this or you take the lead on that. It's more up your alley or, you know, um, again, with trying to expose Andrew to um, as much of the agency level decisions and and the process uh, involved um, as possible. Andrew, has this opportunity changed your career trajectory? Absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. When when I first took the detail opportunity, I was a branch head at Goddard uh, running a group of about 30 propulsion engineers. Uh, and I figured I'll go downtown for a year. I'll, I'll uh, get some breadth of exposure and I'll come back to Goddard one level higher and go into division management, uh, maybe as the deputy division head of the, uh, of the division that I was working in. Um, and as soon as I, I got to headquarters, within a week or two, I knew that that, that was no longer where I wanted to be. Um, seeing all the different moving parts of the agency and and the opportunities and doors that it opened uh, really, really changed my career trajectory. Uh, and actually, I'm moving forward into a new role at headquarters as my next step. And I think the, the other part of this is that, you know, we, we work to to expose Andrew to so many different things so that, that, you know, he could make that decision. He'd be prepared for whatever decision he wanted to make that he, his, his communications, his leadership, his um, contributions uh, um, were, were seen. That is that we could showcase his capabilities and, and, you know, hoping that it would lead to and whatever opportunities were out there and, and wherever he decided to go with, with his next step in his career. So it was, it was providing that opportunity. I think that that was always in the back of my mind was like, Hey, you know, I could do this, but I don't, I don't need the exposure at my, at the point of my career. And I would be like, Hey, Andrew, you present this, you know, we help, we both put it together. Why don't you, why don't you present that to, you know, agency management and, and, you know, getting that recognition that, that he was capable of, of so much more than I think when he, when he started two years ago. Yeah. Nick, Nick was absolutely an advocate for my career growth the entire time. Uh, one thing that I hadn't realized that had been missing uh, for several years was real mentorship. Uh, I think that's that's something the agency struggles with. Of when you get into those more senior career roles, it's often thought that you don't need mentorship. But I'm a strong believer that everybody needs a mentor at any stage in their career, and and Nick embraced that fully. Um, he connected me with people. He opened doors for me. He he made explicit efforts uh, to find new opportunities um, for me to pursue. Um, and talk to me about what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and what aspects of, of those potential new assignments might be great for me. 
uh, sharing his own experience in different roles throughout his career. Based on your experience, what advice would you offer to someone who's trying to decide if they want to engage in a developmental assignment? I would say jump in with both feet. Uh, here, here. Absolutely. I think learning and development is, is something that the agency absolutely prizes. Uh, I think when they say that, that, our, that our people are our most important asset, NASA absolutely stands behind that. And I've had some of the most outstanding training in my life here at the agency. But you also need to be a self-advocate. You need to go after opportunities that you see. You need to step away for, for a time. Uh, to think about what your career goals are and what kind of development opportunities might be available. Um, because you might not even know uh, about an aspect of the agency or an aspect of your career uh, that you wanted to explore. Um, and, and I highly recommend uh, poking your head out of your project work and, and looking around, um, seeing what's available. I, I agree. You need to, you know, as a, as a, especially as like a mid-level career person at NASA, you really need to need to look for those opportunities that can take you to, to where you want to go on in your career. Look for things that are maybe outside your comfort level. I mean, because that's how you're going to get real growth. And, uh, you know, take advantage of, of what you can. And they, a lot of it can be, if, if there's not that many uh, developmental assignments, I mean, look for, look for people that can, that can mentor you and coach you and, and help you move in the direction that you want to, um, to, to further your career aspirations. What do you think are the hesitations that people have about doing this from, from either standpoint? I think that, that people are often consumed by their deadlines uh, and their focus uh, on a project. When you're, when you're part of a mission team, you know, you're running full bore towards a clearly defined goal uh, with a clear team of folk working with you. Uh, and it's very easy to get lost week by week in the next assignment, the next assignment, uh, the, the tactical thinking. Um, and, and so I think that, that that often dissuades people from pursuing development opportunities. They say, oh, I have to get this analysis done or I have to get this next uh, milestone met. Right. It is. It, it can be an interruption to, to, your, to what you're used to, right? It's It's – Again, you have to move outside of that comfort zone a little bit. When you're on a project, as Andrew stated, you're involved in your day-to-day -day tasks. What you need to what you need to do to get the mission from you know point A to ultimately to the launch site and to launch in a in a you know a timely schedule-driven manner. It doesn't uh, allow you at times a chance to you know raise your head up and get out of the weeds and look at, say, you know, a longer term perspective and, and look for those opportunities. So I think, you know, you just get, you get that tunnel vision, um, which I'm not saying is bad and, and the projects need people that to do that. But, you know, at some point you might want to just take a, take a look around. And I'll add that, that, when you're working on a project or working with a team, there's a, a sense of loyalty and commitment that's formed within that team. Uh, and it can almost feel like an act of betrayal to, to step away and, and go do something new. I know when I took this opportunity, I stepped down from being the, the head of the propulsion branch at Goddard, and I felt like I was abandoning all of my people. Um, and that was a tough thing for me to get past, uh, but I'm really glad that I did. Uh, I, think, I think that my career was stagnating and it was time to move forward. Um, 
but that's that's a real tough decision to make sometimes. How would you rate the value of developmental assignments and on-the-job learning opportunities? I think it was incredibly valuable. I had no idea how valuable it would be, uh, both professionally and personally, um, to expose myself to, to new opportunities. Um, I feel like I've been in a training program for two years uh, and, and just absorbing new information like a sponge, which, which is something that, that really excites me. Uh, and I think, I think it's important for folk that feel like they're stalled in their career or that they've learned really what they can from a specific assignment to proactively look for development opportunities and, and chase the things that they have passion in, uh, the things that, that they find fun. Um, I think it's important for, for work to be fun if it, if it can be. Uh, and Nick definitely helped make it fun. Yeah, you know, everything's not dead serious. I mean, this is this is rocket science to to some some extent, but um we always like to have fun doing this job as well. Um I think that's a big component. Um as far as developmental assignments, I think they're I think they're often overlooked. Um I wish we had more opportunities. It's it's really a matter of, of how these things are funded, and, and um, I have tried to tried to push, and and I know in in the office as a chief engineer, we have worked to get more of these development assignments. Um, I think it can really open a, a new world for people from from the centers and working on a developmental assignment. One of the values is the. Uh, the exposure to strategic thinking versus the tactical thinking that is mainly performed when you're at a center. And I think that's that's an underrated benefit to people that are, are on developmental assignments. And that was one thing that I, that I tried to expose Andrew to, and, and I think with some success. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Many thanks to Nick and Andrew for joining us on the podcast. You'll find their bios, along with links to topics discussed on the show, related training courses, and a transcript of today's episode at apple.nasa.gov podcast. If there's a topic you'd like for us to feature in a future episode, please let us know on Twitter at NASA Apple. That's A-P-P-E-L. And use the hashtag, small steps, giant leaps. As always, thanks for listening.